Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 128th episode of the Truth Island podcast. It can be said that guilt is perhaps one of the greatest double-edged swords that humanity has ever created to control one another. Guilt, as some might argue, manages to keep society in check. It makes sure that fathers raise their children, workers do a good job, and corporations pay their fair share in taxes. Okay, just kidding about that last one. Without guilt, it is feared that people would do exactly as they please without any of the consequences, much like an alcoholic who can drink as much as he desires without ever having to face a hangover the next day. While guilt cannot actively stop us from committing bad behavior, it does give us the space to reflect and think over what we have done. Perhaps it is guilt that allows a cheating spouse to realize the harm they have caused or the thief to return something they have stolen. Much like shame, if we never felt guilt, would we ever in this world try and make amends for, this, for some of the bad that we have done? However, a very real and dark side of guilt is the guilt that does not derive within us, but the type that is thrusted upon us by society. Take the employee who is greeted to dirty looks by his fellow coworkers for leaving early each day, or the person that is charity shamed into giving more than what they feel comfortable. Some might say that this is a manipulative tactic employed by society to better control us, while others might argue that this type of guilt brings out the best in each of us and forces us to take righteous action when we otherwise wouldn't. Helping me to overcome my guilt problem, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, let me start by asking you, what do you think is easier, to be the one inflicting guilt or the one having to bear the guilt? Oh, wow. Well, I usually have a pretty funny answer to these, but this is a, that's a good <laughs> one. I, I think that it's easier. Holy moly. I think it's easier, at least, it, let's just say for the for the first, for the for the most part, and uh, for the earlier part, it's easier to inflict the guilt. Mm -hmm. But eventually, it, it becomes incredibly difficult. Um, it's because of a very difficult burden to carry. Please. You know that's funny because I think that if you are the one inflicting the guilt, then you may yourself feel guilty eventually. Well, geez, is it really right for me to make this person feel guilty when they don't really feel like doing this thing that I want them to do? I mean, take any kind of, uh, you know, think of like domestic chores, for example, right? It's like, come on, you didn't wash the dishes again, you know, and then that other person feels guilty and they're like, all right, I'll do it. And they start doing it. Um, and maybe with the dishes, you know, like, yeah, you have a right to make that person feel guilty. But when it comes to other things, like other, like take me to this restaurant, or I really want to go here, or I want to go there. It's like, if that person doesn't really naturally want to provide that, should you be making them feel guilty for, for providing something that they don't really actually want to provide? No, I don't think you should. But that's the way human beings operate most of all, you know, a bit too often. So I think that, you know, um, so I, I like the example you used earlier from the, you know, what I, I never heard heard a phrase like that. Is it ch charity shaming or something like that? Yeah, I, I actually a long time ago, I did an episode on charity shaming. That's that's it's an incredibly strange thing. It's an incredibly um, 
it's incredibly strange thing to 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 force somebody to give generously. Then it's not generosity anymore. You know what I mean? It's not charity. It's 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 robbery. You know, it's it's a, it's a twisting of the arm. It's manipulation. It's wrong. So I think that things there there are certain things that you know society kind of you know um, forces upon individuals that it really shouldn't because those things ought to you know arrive. Those things ought to be arrived at naturally, you know? Okay. Now, I'm going to kind of – I don't remember my exact conversation on charity shaming, but I think one of the arguments that I raised was this idea that if, let's say, you're a multimillionaire or something, yeah. and somebody charity shames you into giving to cancer research or something to that, right – Yes, it's not within your nature to give to that research. Yes, you're, you know, you don't have a propensity to do that. Yes, it's wrong to force you to feel something that you don't feel. But at the end of the day, from a pragmatic standpoint, money is going to save people's lives, right? So like, even though we can argue whether it's right to make someone feel guilty, ultimately, the utility outweighs um, them feeling guilty by virtue of more money is going to this particular research and someone's life is being saved. So there is like when you char when you charity shame somebody, you are doing something bad because you're making someone feel guilty who otherwise would not feel guilty. But then you can kind of justify it by saying, well, by doing that, I was able to save, you know, these 10 children's lives by uh, getting them to like invest in a better hospital or a better orphanage or in more cancer research. So how does that sound to you? Does that sound fair or does the, does the means not justify the ends? No, I think in this case, at least, I wouldn't say that the means justifies the ends at all. Because, you know, um, first of all, different cultures view death different, you know, in, in different ways. Some for, for I would say that for for the Western world, death is a big deal. You know, death is one of those things that we must stop it at any cost, even at the cost of the you know the souls of people. Like we must keep it. It's it's strange, because what you're doing there with the whole you know um, shaming the person to giving is that you're ac you're actually committing a certain kind of violence or a certain kind of death killing. You know, you're attacking their soul. You're attacking their their mental stability. You're you're attacking their ability to live with themselves, so that you may save other people's lives. Well, first of all, they're not responsible for those people's lives. They weren't responsible for giving the cancer. They weren't responsible for um for the harsh conditions of the world that you know that hadn't provided those um those facilities to help people. And so it seems as though it seems as though it seems very unfair to um, to prompt someone, whether gently or aggressively, towards giving something that they're not really genuinely, genuinely willing to give for the sake of even saving a child's life. Um, I, I would say that it's kind of like, you know, you see this in silly films all the time. So, so oh, I killed him to save your life. And the kid's like, I never asked you to do that. <laughs> like, um, like no, there there's some there's certain things that you know we, we have to think about. There's more to life than life. There is. There's more to life. There's more to life than um than life. Living is not the end all be all. It's how you live that really matters. You know, some people say it's not the quantity of life but quality of life. You know, so I think I think it really does depend on what's important to you. You know, some for for some it's life. For others it's a it's a it's a different matter. 
let's let's up the scales a bit okay let's say for example you're a mother and your child becomes really really sick and the only way to save your child's life is with some life-saving medication nothing too complicated they just need to digest this medication and they will live okay mother goes to the doctor the doctor's not busy doctor's just sitting there in his office uh playing solitaire and the mother goes in and says, please, please, please give my son this life-saving medication. And the doctor says, okay, it's going to cost you a thousand bucks. And the mother says, I don't have that money. Could you please, please, I need this medication to save my child. The doctor says, nope, no money, no pills. End of story. Does that mother have the right to guilt that doctor into like giving her those life-saving pills to save her own child? Like, does does she have any right at all to be like, please, I'll, I'll pay you back in a year from now, Any anything? Or should she at that moment just say, well, it's not within the doctor's natural constitution to be charitable and give these life-saving pills to me, even though he could very well do so, right? There's nothing preventing him from doing so. Should she just walk away and, and just be like, it's just too wrong? It's the, 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 uh, the amount of wrongness that it is to guilt this doctor just far outweighs saving my child's life Ooh, mother okay you don't want to speak for moms <laughs> um it's understandable now you know mothers really have a you know a deep affection for their kids not that fathers don't we just have it in a very different way i was listening to this ted talk once about a lady who said you know fathers often have they often ask the wrong questions during custody hearings because you ask the father, well, who's your son's, who's your son's principal? It's probably like, I don't know. Who's your son's homeroom teacher? I don't know. It's like, okay. But you ask the mother those questions. She knows them to the T, right? But you ask, but what you got asked that is who's your son's favorite superhero? Father knows that for sure. Say, okay, okay. What, what, what's, um, if you could, if you had, there was another question along the lines, along the lines of like, if you had, if you could have any superpower or things like that, you know, there's certain things that fathers just care about more. Yeah. Um, yeah but for, sure. for the most part, I think that it would be reasonable for the mother to plead and pleading is not, a, is not often pleaded. So there's a difference between pleading and appealing to a person's kindness hmm. and pleading and trying to make the person feel guilty. There are two different ways of doing that. Appealing to the kindness is very selfless in the sense of you're saying, listen, you have the right to do whatever you want to do to me, but I'm saying in spite of that, can you try to help me? The other one is very self-centered. It's very self-pitying. It's don't you see me suffering? Can't you see me hurting? Do something about it. So often we look at you know two pleading mothers and we say, well, they're doing the exact same thing. They're not. One of them is very selfless. One of them doesn't care a lick about her dignity. Mm-hmm. One of them knows fully well that a doctor's dignity is far more important than hers, maybe even more important than her son's. But she's appealing to his kindness because he's the one who can help. It's not, it's not the same thing. Appealing to kindness and appealing and appealing to guilt are very still look similar, but they're not the same thing at all. And so I, w- I would say that any woman who's you know appealing to kindness knows when to stop. But a mother who's um, appealing to guilt does not know when to stop mm-hmm. and uh, will not stop until she gets what she wants. The way I'm the way I'm hearing it is maybe the mother pleading for her child's life. There's a sort of there's a sort of 
like genuine righteousness, I guess, in, in that kind of pleading, right? So it's not that the mother wants the doctor to feel ashamed, right? It's not, it's not at all like you should be, you're a rich man, you're a rich doctor man, and here I am too poor to afford these pills. So I think the goal is not to make the other person feel guilty. It's more, it's more along the lines of like, this is something that's very righteous. I don't actually care about you feeling guilty. I'm just fighting for this thing that's very righteous. And it kind of has more of a pleading tone to it. Whereas I think when you're, when the person who's trying to guilt you is further removed or the cause is not as righteous, then, then it kind of becomes an act that's a bit more deplorable because now it's more like, I can, this isn't, this isn't a, a life or death situation. This isn't an emergency. I'm just trying to make you feel really crappy about yourself in order to get what I want. And there's no righteousness. There's no life dangling in the balance that's forcing me to do this. And that's where I think the person, the person inflicting that guilt is kind of in the wrong. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that emergencies have, I wouldn't say that emergencies change situation because, you know, what's wrong, um, what's wrong is wrong in the sense of, so for example, you know, you're, you're being chased by, by hacker slasher murderer guy right and you <laughs> you hijack you you pull out a gun to hijack someone's car well you still robbed the person you still you still did wrong you know what i mean sure your life was in danger mm. but you you did wrong still you know there there there, there are other there's there's always something else to do but sure you got away i'm not saying that i'll see if you can if you had a chance to do that sure go ahead save your life i'm just saying at the end of the day reality is reality so i don't think that the woman the mother who is or anyone who is you know just because it's an emergency and they're pleading especially in that in the other way in the, in the very in the very self-righteous way because it is it is you know saving a life saving a life not just any life but saving your child's life it's like there's it's like there's nothing higher than that. Anytime you're trying to inflict guilt on another human being, anytime you're trying to inflict guilt, especially if you're trying to infl inflict guilt on another human being to get your outcome, oh, that's that's not right. That's that's I would say that's uh, that's definitely in the wrong. Okay, let let's say let's go back to our analogy with this woman and the doctor, and let's say the mm. woman is doing just as you said. She's trying to guilt the doctor to get her desired outcome, aka getting those pills for free or paying the doctor back or what, what have you. And let's say the doctor says, no, 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 I can't do it. I don't want to do it, blah, blah, blah. The lady leaves. Let's say that doctor goes home and he really, really, really thinks about it. He thinks deeply about it. And he comes to a revelation on his own, right? He thinks about the, the course of events and he thinks about the you know, what happened. And he says, you know what, what I'm doing is wrong. I own like five houses. I'm, you know, I drive a nice car. My kids go to private school, whatnot. I'm going to give these, I changed my mind. I'm going to give this lady the pills. And he does so on his own volition, right? He, he's doing it because he's genuinely changed his heart. But if the woman had not pleaded so, so hard, he would never have changed his heart. So like in that instance, I kind of see like the if the doctor is changing his own heart and it was by virtue of the woman pleading so so hard and so adamantly for what it is that she wanted, like in a way, 
something good came of that, assuming that that doctor has 100% made a complete 180 and he does believe in what it is. Now, if that lady calls him at home and keeps pestering him some more, that's not, you know, maybe, maybe we could argue that that's not right. But if she fought very passionately for what it is that she wanted and that doctor does have a full scale revelation, well, you know, maybe that lady did do a righteous thing. Maybe she did uh, convince a guy who has like five houses that he could afford these pills that cost him, you know, maybe 150 bucks or something, right? So like in life, we don't want to try too hard. I completely hear you on that sentiment, like like just pushing and pushing and shoving. It's like it's like you want your kids to eat vegetables, but they'll never eat vegetables if you're literally cramming broccoli down their mouth, right? <laughs> they're going to hate you and they're going to learn to hate broccoli. I 100% hear you. I'm wondering though, if you give up just a little bit too easily, if you never, if you never give them that opportunity or you never give them that space to kind of change change their own behavior like i don't think the doctor should be handcuffed and compelled to give those pills away but at the same time perhaps some careful pushing might actually allow him to to make the logical leap himself yeah i mean but here's the thing now the thing the difference is that the woman who so those the, 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 those two ideas or two styles of pleading are very different and they could they could very well accomplish the same thing so, but if you notice when a person is using guilt, is trying to make you feel guilty to get what they want, they become very vicious. They say things they ought not say. My, my point is, it's not the pleading is never the problem. The pleading is not the problem. Anyone's allowed to plead. You can plead night and day all you want, that's fine. But the attitude with which you plead, are you pleading because you, you, you think you deserve this from this person? Or you think pleading because this is your only option and you really don't have a choice. This is this is he he this person is holding all the life in your hands. I'm holding nothing. My only option is to lie down flat and say, help me, please. Mm. This is a very different situation. This is a very different attitude. That kind of attitude inspires kindness more often than it does inspire guilt. And because here they're not trying to make you feel guilty. If you feel guilty, it has something to do with you, not them. The other person has guilt in mind. They're saying, I'm going to make sure he understands that he's a piece of shit for not giving me this. I'm going to make sure he understands mm. he's taking a life and the life, the life of my child is in his hands and he's responsible for my child's death. That's a very different attitude. That's a very different attitude. And so those women are doing very different things. Or should I say those people are doing very different things? And both of them could easily very well accomplish the same thing. But it's the person who is appealing to guilt and guilt alone, guilt from the very beginning to the very end, the person who thinks they are entitled to it, the person who thinks that they can manipulate you and twist you, they are wrong. Even if they get what they're looking for, they're wrong. The other person who is pleading, simply pleading, because they know you are the only, your only option and your only savior is not wrong because the attitude is different. They are, they are simply or they may be a bother, they may be a bother, but they're not trying to make you feel guilty. They're trying to, they're trying to appeal to your kindness. They're trying to, how you say, they're trying to win a favorable look in your eyes. They're trying to, they're trying to endear themselves to you. I think I hear what you're saying. So you're saying that like, if the woman is pleading adamantly, but it's solely, like she doesn't care about getting into the doctor's head at all. She's just pleading for the sake of like, hey, I need to save my son right now and I'll do whatever it takes. Okie dokie. But 
if that lady is trying to turn the doctor into the executioner of her of her child and be like, if you don't give me these pills right now, you have killed my son. And you're kind of yes, placing yes. that weight on that doctor, then then you've done something wrong because now yeah. n- now you've ascribed to them something that yeah, this is a this is it's a very it's a very 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 tough one because on one hand there is a part of me that says that like is that doctor an executioner and i on one hand i'm like no like like the child fell sick that's that's an act of god that's an act of nature right there's nothing that can control that i'm wondering if like those pills are just sitting in his draw and it's of no consequence to him whatsoever to give the mother those pills like nothing like like he could just easily open up that draw and be like here you go enjoy and like nothing his life would not change in any such way by doing that does that make him an executioner i actually don't have the answer to that kenny i i actually i don't i i don't have the answer i think that's i think that's a fair place that's a fair place (laughs) i think so so, you know this 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 it's um it's a fair place to stand yeah because there is there is something in in medicine called the Hippocratic Oath, and there, there is like, you know, this, <laughs> like the, there is the, there is this idea there is this idea to like <laughs> save save lives at, at all costs mm-hmm. necessary, even if even if you're not getting paid to do it or whatever. Uh, you don't believe no. in it. <laughs> I don't, bro. I'm sorry. I don't believe in it at all. Like I see it all the time in doctors' offices. But let me see, man. I, I'm, and I may be jaded, and I may be, you know, cynical to the core. But I think doctors don't give a shit. I don't. I, said, man, I've been to the hospital enough times in my life to know that doctors don't give a crap. Let me. And I know that. I'm, and I'm speaking generally. Of course, there's there's always going to be the outliers and those who are in between. Doctors, as far as I can see are just like everybody else. They're not like superheroes. They don't wake up in the morning, you know, s- smelling like roses and walking around with with this idea of justice and they want to do the right thing for their... Doctors get annoyed with their patients like anybody gets annoyed with anybody. Doctors care about money. They just want to make a living, man. This is not an idealistic world where, you know, we, we, we have ideas that run our lives. People rarely think about ideas or philosophy or wisdom of anything, let alone the Hippocratic Oath. Doctors don't care, man. They just they just want to get paid. They want to get paid, do their job, and go home, just like everybody else. Sure, I I think there are some of them who are who are unique individuals, like you find in any fields, like wonderful teachers. And I mean, in, in a room of like a thousand teachers, you find a handful of just wonderful, spectacular teachers who are totally in love with the students and what they're doing. Just like, yeah, you find the same thing among doctors, some wonderful doctors who don't care like about the money. It's really about the people. But those are a handful. Most doctors wouldn't, no, wouldn't, wouldn't give you a second look if you don't have, if, if yeah, no, except, 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 of course, I mean, no, no, I don't think they. I don't think they do that. That's, that's, but that's just me. That's just me. <clears throat> might look. I, I might push back a bit on that. And I hear. I hear what it is that you're saying. And I. I do have friends that work in hospitals. And and I. I, I do feel that there is a bit of idealism that surrounds everybody. I think where people become jaded is when they come across an obstacle that can't be 
surmounted, right? And I, I think this, from what I've heard from people who work in hospitals, the most frustrating thing is when they just can't save somebody's life. It's not that they're choosing not to save somebody's life. It's just, they can't save that person's life. Like there's just, there's no, like they, they have like um, a disease. They have, they're, they're so far along on, on, on something that they just, they can't be cured and they only have six months to live. And there's just, there's nothing, there's nothing that there's this sense of helplessness that I think overtakes. And this, this, this could be said to happen with every profession, even a mechanic, you go to a mechanic, your car might be just so far gone that the mechanic can't fix it. The mechanic is like, you're done. This car is done for. If you're a teacher, sometimes you just reach those students that are like, I, I just, I can't, I can't save this student. And if you're a doctor, you get to a point where it's like, I just can't save this patient. That's what I think makes people feel jaded. And I actually think that that idealism actually comes from a little bit of a selfish place. And allow me to explain this. I think everybody in this world wants to feel powerful. If you're a mechanic, you want to be the most powerful mechanic. If you want to be a teacher, you want to be the most powerful teacher. And if you're a doctor, you want to be the most powerful doctor humanly possible. So when a doctor realizes that he can't save somebody, it actually strikes at his own ego. When a teacher realizes they can't save a student, it's selfishly strikes at their own ego. So I actually think that we all have this idealism, not because we care so much about people, but because we want to satisfy the idealism that our ego necessitates. And in a way that kind of makes the world very functional. So I I think that doctors do care about their patients, not because they care about their patients, but because they want to feel powerful. They want to have purpose. They want to have meaning. They want to appear, um, you know, they want to satisfy that they have control over people's lives. That makes them feel good. I'm not saying it, I'm not saying this in like a narcissistic evil way. We all want to do well because when we have the power, yeah, when we have yeah. the power to do well, it makes us feel good about ourselves because it makes us feel powerful. No, I, I understand, I, and I think I think I think you're right. I think you're right. I I still do believe that. I mean, it's with with all that that you know, it's um, I mean that. But even the mind, the kind of mind you just described, is a mind that's it's even if it's more, even if it's helpful, it's still an egocentric mind. Yes, it is. You know. Yes. What I mean? I mean, most if you ever so if you ever want to if you ever want to feel small, and if you ever want to be you know spoken to like you're five years old, you go to a doctor. They're incredibly condescending. Lawyers are incredibly, and I'm not saying this. In, this is just not natural. You know, just the way I see it. You know what I mean? And there, there, there is a very there's a doctors and nuns have a god complex. You know what I mean? The most important person in the room. The most you know. Um, the most knowledgeable, and you can't, you can't, you can't dare. Who are you? Who? How dare you tell the doctor what's wrong with you? Hello, doctor, I've been feeling some pains in my legs. Like, shh. You see, you get that look. Like, shut up. I went to medical school. Yeah, I'll tell you whether or not you have a pain in your leg. I can, I can feel it. <laughs> like it's right here. And I was like, no, 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 no. Give me a second. Oh, excuse me, sir. After four hours of examining you, I've, I've realized you have a pain in your leg. So, yeah. Um, but the point is simply that yeah, they're they're uh, they're humans. You know, and so and that's why I don't think I don't think the Hippocratic Oath means anything to them. I don't think it really, honestly, I don't think they I don't think it's anything that they live by. You know, it, it may have been it may have been or tried to be the ideal at some point in history, but not not today, man. Today it's all about the money. Well, hold hmm. on now, because 
from what I've heard, the most egocentric people in any hospital are the surgeons, right? And for good reason, because they go through the most amount of years of training. They, they actually go for years longer, more rigorous training than your regular primary care physician who just, you know. Yeah, so the surgeons are the highest form and they're very rude. They'll curse out nurses, they'll curse out patients, they'll curse out the administration because they know that their skill, especially the hands, okay? To be a surgeon, it's not just your noggin. You have to have really good motor skills and you have to have like top level everything, right? And you have to be strong. You have to be, that's why a lot of these guys, they're actually really buff and fit. Like they, they go to the gym, they, they, their body, their mind, it's a, it's a whole package there. And they definitely okay. have like, they, they, they have like a godlike complex. And they take, when they're, you know, operating, they take their job so seriously because whether that patient lives or dies is an extension of who they are, right? If that patient dies, like if that patient dies, they, they will get very frustrated. They will get very upset that they, that they themselves with all of their advanced level of training and fine motor skills and whatnot were unable to save their lives. So I think that that, whether they're fulfilling the Hippocratic uh, method, uh, oath or, or, or not, yeah. yeah I feel like they they want that their ego demands that they save those people's lives because they know that they're less of a surgeon. And they also know that another surgeon can actually give them crap. Like if they fail to save that patient's life, um, they might be having a consultation with another surgeon and that other surgeon will be like, oh, well, you know, you've let so many people die so far. You better let me take over. And then their egos start clashing and they start fighting and so forth. So in a way, a lot of this like egocentric behavior kind of does bring out some some positive net results. Yeah, but that's saving lives is not the it's not the end all be all of the Hippocratic Oath. I mean, there's so much other things. I mean, there's the, yeah. there's the being able being willing to do it for those who can and can't afford. There's the there. I mean, if you read the whole thing, the overall tone of the Hippocratic Oath is love and humility, which is well. <laughs> When it comes to the ego, those things are, you know, um, poison to it. So I think that sure, if you're saving lives, I, and I, 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 I'm not, I'm not against saving lives, um, but it's, it's they're saving lives because it's their job. It's their job to to open you up and find out what's, what's, um, what's going on in fiction. I don't think they have. It, it just kind of happens to match up with the Hippocratic Oath. It's like, yeah, sure, lives are being saved, but it's not, it's not really. Um, it's not really part of the ideal. It's just it's just a natural consequence of what the money you pay them affords them to do. I like what you said about uh, humility, um, because I think that is something that I, I think this is where I actually think you're 110 percent right. Sometimes you'll have especially you'll have like a young doctor who's overly ambitious and they want to cut you open right away. Right. And they'd be like, oh, man, that back is hurting you. Let's get some surgery. Let's let's cut you open right away. Whereas the doctor means to do well, right? But in a way, they're not really wanting to do well for you. They're wanting to do well for themselves because you might be better off just doing physical therapy or, or something like that. But that overly ambitious doctor is not, he doesn't really, he's, maybe he's sacrificing the best treatment option to satisfy his own ego because he feels as if like, well, well, I, I can, I can make this pain go away. Like I believe so much in myself, I can just cut you open. But maybe it's in the patient's best interest to just do some 
physical therapy for longer, or maybe maybe the pain's not so bad. Maybe the patient has come to a point in their life where they just accept that pain to be the case. Yeah. And that doctor is just still like overly ambitious and overly wants to prove them prove prove to themselves that they are this and that and the other thing. So I think I yeah. think that's where you're right, man. Like I, I think that the ego the ego can lead us to work really hard in service of others, but sometimes it can it, it can sometimes lead us astray and make us work very hard in service for ourselves. So it, I, 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 yeah. I think you're right. I see I see the point you're making. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I yeah I, I'm very very low very low view of most 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 of these things. Yeah. Humans are humans. Humans are humans. Doesn't matter whether we're a white coat or uh, um, or I don't know, blue overalls or a white undershirt like me. No white undershirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about um, some times that maybe maybe there have been times right where yeah. guilt can be a form of correcting one's ignorance. And allow me, allow me to explain something, you know, let me, let me explain it this way. Okay. Let, let's just say I own a restaurant. Okay. And I, I own this restaurant and I'm just throwing out, tra I'm throwing out my leftover food and I, I don't give two crap. I'm like, all right, I, I didn't sell these muffins. I didn't sell these donuts. I'm just throwing them away in the garbage and they're wasted. And then one day somebody comes into my restaurant and says, hey, you know, Aaron, you could donate those leftover donuts to blah, 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 and feed the homeless or something like that. Yeah. And maybe if that person did not bring that to my attention or did not make me feel guilty that I was wasting all of this food, I, I would have just been ignorant to that thing that I was doing that, that was harmful. But maybe sometimes mm -hmm. guilt can be a way of educating people or kind of like poking the holes in their ignorance of, of like, I was doing this, I was just minding my own business. I didn't know I was doing something wrong. Thankfully, this person came, made me feel a little guilty or helped me understand how how better I could take these donuts and easily just donate them or someone would come and pick up the leftover donuts and deliver it to somebody. So yeah. sometimes I think guilt does have like an educational utility that you might you might just be doing something bad that you're unaware of and someone just brings it to your to your attention that they're not meaning to harm you they're not trying to stress you out and make your hair turn gray they're just bringing something to your attention that makes you a little bit wiser about why it is you know like another thing that we could look at is let's say you just make a really inappropriate joke and you don't know it's inappropriate. Someone's feelings gets hurt really badly. And someone, someone, they're not trying to shame you. They're not trying to make you feel bad, but someone then comes to you later on in the evening and says, Aaron, you didn't know so-and-so's blah, blah, blah died. And when you made that joke, it may, it reminded them of blah, you know? And I'm like, oh man, I, I didn't realize so-and-so's, you know, you know, uncle died or whatever. So, Again, as long as the person that's bringing you that information is not trying to make you feel bad, but is legitimately just trying to bring new information to you, I think that that could be okay as well. How do you feel? No, I think that makes sense. That's because the 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 the, um, the primary force there is not guilt; it's information, it's knowledge. Yes. So, for the person, for example, with the uh, with the restaurants, they did what they did because they didn't know. 
until a friend or whoever it was came and gave them additional information, which they took into account. Now, if they, depending on the kind of person they are, because I know people who will say, oh, really? And they won't even feel guilty about throwing all that other bread around because they didn't know. It's like, what's the point of feeling guilty about that? You didn't know what you didn't know. Right. So they say, okay, cool, now we know. Let's start feeding it, giving it to the shelters and the homeless and so forth. And um, fine. But there's another kind of person who feels really bad. Like, oh, man. And it weighs on them for like a day or three. And like, oh, God. I'm <laughs> and it's like, okay, but they still do the same thing. But you find that it's the guilt arose in the person naturally, maybe mm. from past experience, kind of upbringing they had, the kind of, you know, um, their own worldview and so forth. But what, what really changed is the, inf- is the amount of information that, that, that the parties had. Even with uh, the, the the joke, um, it's not the the guilt. The, the moving force there is the information. It could any it could move to guilt, or it could just simply move bypass the guilt and move to a correction or correcting of um, of, of of attitude and so forth. Okay, I, 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 we are one hundred percent on the same page with that. Now let's yeah. say I. You know, someone brings it to my attention about the donuts. They bring it to my attention about that inappropriate joke. Should that person who's bringing it to my attention, they just say it once and leave? Or is there any like, let, let's say like I make that inappropriate joke, for example, yeah. and I kind of have a bit of a wall or a bit of a self-defense mechanism. Like, no, no, it was just a joke, man. Hey, chill out. You know, I got my uh, got my self-defense wall like firing back yeah. does the other person have any onus to try and negotiate that self-defense wall or do they immediately just be like all right he's not he doesn't feel guilty let, let me just like get the hell away from him so i'm wondering how long that conversation goes for does it go for five minutes does it go for 10 minutes does the person just say it once and retreat or is there a little a little negotiating maybe because who knows Maybe if that person really explains it to me within that 10 minutes, maybe then I'll crack, right? Like who's to say, maybe one minute is just not enough time for me to crack because we all have egos and we all have self-defense walls. So maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's 15 minutes. Like what's the appropriate amount of time that somebody tries to explain to you why, what it is that you're doing before they, they realize, okay, it's a lost cause. Let me just move on with myself. Oh, I think it's so it's kind of like, um, at least personally for me, the way I see it, it is it's kind of like um, like a PlayStation controller. I know what each button does. And so I know I know how a certain if a certain person responds in a certain way, they've pushed, they've pushed, they've, they've illustrated to me, okay, what button they're pressing, which means that, okay, if they're pressing this button, I know the logical. Um, I know the logical progression, and I know where it ends and how it can, how it, how how where basically where where how it goes and where it ends. So it's easy for me to back away because, as far as I know, and I could be wrong. This could be conceits, but it's it, it's but it's it's working for me so far. Is that I I know I, I tend to recognize how certain behaviors. And uh, so, like, you can't, it's hard, to, but it's, it's, it's actually pretty just common sense. You can't, it's hard to argue with a cantankerous person. It's, it's hard. You just, you just can't get across because you're, you're trying to make a reasonable, rational argument or die, just communicate clear words to them. And they want to throw fists. And like, okay, if I stay here, if I stay here, it's reasonable to 
to deduce that I may get punched in the face. It's just natural, you know? <laughs> so I think, I think that, you know, it's just a matter of knowing, you know, just knowing attitudes and behaviors and how they, how they play out. But usually when people, when people, when people's self-defense mode goes up, that is that's guilt that's guilt in the aggressive there's sort of there's two ways the guilt um mm. two ways the guilt kind of you know expresses itself there's the aggressive guilt which is like self-destructive or others it destroys you know you, you hurt you harm yourself or you harm others there's so that's aggressive and there's a passive there's the you know you just kind of withdraw and i like what you're saying by the way i think that a lot of self-defense is is it's almost an admission that they have done something wrong because if you hadn't done something wrong, you wouldn't have to defend yourself so heavily. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it, you're by 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 attacking that way by by being so you know so defensive, so you know and and, and aggressive. Basically, what you're saying is you already feel that guilt. You're what you 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 not without words, right? Mm. Um, you're 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 admitting that you already you already know something's up. You've done something, and by the person bringing it up, you're defending yourself. I like what I like the word you use, canticorous. Like, so perhaps if you bring something to someone's attention and they're already hostile, canticorous, or just fighting fighting it back tooth and nail, maybe the other person should just immediately realize, okay this person knows that they've done something wrong, obviously, because obviously they, they wouldn't be so hostile if they didn't. And then maybe that's just the moment to, to walk away. And I think there's perhaps a component of guilt where that person then needs to come to you. Like in order, in order for the guilt to be completely self-actualized, you bring it to their attention, they act as they will, maybe they're calm, maybe they're passive, maybe they politely disagree with you, maybe they fortify their walls, however they react, right? There comes a point then where you've brought it to their attention. They're aware of it, undoubtedly. You then walk yeah. away. But then that other component of guilt is that they themselves must confess to being guilty or that they have acted wrongly. And may maybe they are actually right. Maybe they have nothing to feel guilty, and that's how they conclude with themselves. Maybe they do come around a few months later and say, hey, you know what? Uh, sorry, I reacted that way. You, you were actually right. I thought about it a few months, you know, a few months have gone by. Or third, they just forever live in their denial. And there's nothing you can really do to, to kind of help that person. And you really just, you kind of have to just give up on that particular issue with them. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> if, if, I know, if I know anything about people, but that, that's, 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 um, that's usually how it plays out. It's people are very hard. It's very hard for people to admit, first of all, to admit that they're wrong. So, um, and they usually need, they need a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I, I think, I think where, I think there's nothing wrong with pointing things out that might bring about shame or guilt. I think pointing these things out it, when, 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 when there's merit to them, but it's in that constantly arm twisting. Like you, you can make me feel guilty about something once, but you can't make me feel guilty about it twice or three times or four times or five times. At, at some point, it's just like the person just doesn't feel guilty. And I just have to one, accept them for who they are or two, um, I just need to walk away from that person and be like, all right, they, they don't feel guilty. That's who they are. 
God bless them. It's like I, I can either love them and accept them or I just have to walk away. Yeah, but, you know, the, the point is not is so guilt. is. I, I believe that guilt plays a very important role in the human experience. Yeah, I was saw this situation recently where a young lady had slept with, you know, um, um, uh, with, had slept with a, a bartender, but she was married, you know, not married. She was engaged to be married. Yep. yep. And the person says to her, you know, um, what did she say? She says, she says she feels guilty. So, well, you should. You should feel guilty because you did something bad. You did something bad. Mm. Well, well, it's, well, here's the thing. Guilt, guilt is natural. Guilt is natural. It's not just a human-made thing. There's, there's the nobody. Well, we could, we could stop arguing about that soon enough. But the point is simply what I'm trying to say is that there's a place for guilt. Mm -hmm. Guilt kind of restrains. It, it, it restrains a number of follies, of follies that we could commit, or at least it limits it, and it helps us repair those we, we've already helped us at least points us in the right direction to repairing those we've already committed. Guilt lets us know that we're not perfect human. We're not perfect, and it it helps us measure us measure us measure ourselves against our own ideals of what is perfect. It lets us know that we are not all that. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, guilt reminds us that we're human. It reminds us that others are human. Um, guilt. I mean, guilt. Guilt performs a number of really helpful tasks. Really, without guilt. Without guilt, we'd be dealing with a bunch of sociopaths and psychopaths. <laughs> Who would do anything and feel nothing, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think I think there's a very healthy place for guilt. I think the unhealthy place is where humans try to force guilt upon other humans. Okay, so I actually love this example. I think to 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 end off here, this is a great example, and that is. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have the 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 wife that cheats on the husband, okay? And yeah. there's a few ways that this could go, but I think the best, if there's any chance of this relationship being saved, I actually think that if the wife cheats on the husband, if the wife does not voluntarily come to that husband and say, sweetheart, I cheated on you. I'm so sorry. It'll never, you know, like if the wife doesn't take a proactive mood, if she doesn't immediately admit what she has done is guilty, then there's no chance of that relationship surviving. Because as soon as the man tries to explain to the wife why it is that she should feel guilty, all hope is lost. If you have to explain to somebody in that case why what you have done is wrong, you've already, you're already on the losing side of the fence. It's already over. Like the same oh, you know, absolutely, absolutely, it's like it's like drowning and trying to write a thesis on drowning. It's like no, you're drowning. Look around you. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 bro, you're drowning. So, no, it's, it's hopeless. That makes that's hopeless. You know, that is hopeless, right? That and that's the nature because basically it's hopeless because that woman has subconsciously already made a decision that she does not love oh. you. Like she's already, oh. she's already sub, at the subconscious level. She's already decided because if, if she oh, cheats wow. on you and doesn't feel any guilt whatsoever, she's already made up her mind that she does not love you. Um, now that she is, may not, she may not. Hell on, hell on heels. Yes. She may not have like the verbal 
ability to admit that. But at the subconscious level, her mind has already been made up and anything that you're trying to do is really just an exercise in futility. So I, I, I think this is, I think that's probably our best analogy right there that yeah. true guilt you may have to remind somebody, you may have to bring it to their attention, but ultimately it has to derive from the guilty party, right? In order for that guilt to actually become real or manifest into something, the guilty party must, it must derive from within them because if it doesn't, then you, you can't make someone feel something that they do not naturally feel. feel. Uh, Kenny, no. thank you so much once again, man. No, no worries. Thanks for having me. You better have me on the next time. Man, uh, know, I don't feel guilty about that, so don't. <laughs> <laughs> this concludes the 128th episode of the Truth Island Podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.